0: to start medical school in 2023. Join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. If you're a conspiracy theorist, a doomsdayer, a prepper, or any other type of person who thinks that change is bad, this may be a good episode for you. This is The Pre-Med Year, session number 379. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Prima Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. This podcast episode has been a couple weeks in the making. As of almost two weeks ago, or exactly two weeks ago, as this episode is coming out, the United States Medical Licensing Examination, the USMLE, which is created by the Federation of State Medical Boards and the National Board of Medical Examiners announced that it was changing the first part of their exam, step one, to pass-fail. What previously was a three-digit score that was often used to determine your strength of a, as a candidate to very competitive specialties is no longer going to be a three-digit score. It is going to be pass-fail. Now, immediately when this happened, and I've talked about it a ton already, uh, that it was going to happen, and I've talked to program directors on specialty stories, if you don't listen to specialty stories, I highly recommend you go listen to specialty stories, including my interviews with program directors, the actual people making decisions for residencies, who they're going to accept and who they're not and how they're going to rank them, etc. And I've brought this question up specifically asking if step one or, or the talk is that, that step one is going to go pass fail, how is that going to change your evaluation of students, what is going to change? And a lot of them say, well, I don't know. (laughs) I haven't figured that one out yet. And some of them have said, "Uh, it's not gonna change much because it's just, we review every application and that's just the way it is. You have to remember first and foremost that residencies are not getting tens of thousands, not all, tens of thousands of applications Per residency, right? This is not medical school. Medical schools are getting 10,000 applications, right? Sometimes more, sometimes less. They're getting thousands upon thousands upon thousands of applications, and they have to filter through those quickly. Residencies are not getting that many applications per program. So that's the first thing you have to keep in mind is that if a program director will go, well, you know what? I review every application. That's much more believable than medical school saying they review every application because that's just, that's almost impossible. And so if a program is going to review every application, then they can take the time to review things a little bit deeper. But that's just a random aside. So let's talk about kind of the history a little bit of the USMLE. Now, a lot of people that are in this right now will go, but, but, but it's, it's change, right? Change is bad. How am I going to, to prove that I'm an amazing applicant? Or you have to remember that, that USMLE is, has only been around since the early 90s. And there were other tests and different things and state-run medical licensing. And th- things were much different not that long ago. And everyone survived. Yes, medical education is getting bigger. It's becoming a little bit more business like. Residency programs are booming. We're 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 getting residency programs aren't booming. That was a joke. Uh, <laughs> Medicare is not expanding Medicare uh, funding for residency programs. That that should be the news. But anyway, uh, the 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 whole process of going to medical school, getting licensed, becoming a physician, applying for residencies, getting residencies. All of that has constantly been changing and will always constantly change, and this is just one of those changes. So from that point alone, you should go, oh, okay, just go with it, right? The world is not going to end. Nothing is going to blow up. Everything is okay. Take that as the first step. Everyone bombarded social media with the the thoughts of well this is going to hinder DOs this is going to hinder IMGs this is going to hinder the Caribbean grads who are IMGs US IMGs non US IMGs this is going to hurt everyone and anybody who isn't at a top 20 medical school right that's what everyone is screaming right now that your school prestige is all of a sudden going to matter the most out of everything. That's what students are saying. And that just can't be true. Let's look at the surveys from program directors, right? So this is 1,200 program directors. This is something you can find online if you just Google program director survey NRMP. This is the 2018 survey. I I couldn't find the 2019 survey if it's out yet, but it's, it's out there for you to look at. And on figure one for the 2018 NRMP Program Director Survey, they list USMLE Step 1 as the number one factor in determining your competitiveness to interview an applicant. Now, they don't really say it's the number one factor. So there's, there's a special way to read this chart. They don't say it's the number one factor. They say, according to this figure, that US Emily step one was the most cited factor in determining their wanting to invite you for an interview. So this isn't ranked from best to worst. This figure is just saying the majority, far majority, 94% of all of the 1,233 program directors said, yes, I think of step one and level one as a factor in determining who I want to interview. And they ranked at a 4.1. Okay. So they ranked at a 4.1. That is the most important number here, 4.1. So five is very important. One, not important at all, 4.1, okay? The second thing on this list is letters of recommendations in the specialty, right? When you're applying to medical school, you have to go get letters of recommendations from your professors and doctors and supervisors and whoever else. 86% of the 1233 program directors said that letters of recommendations are a factor in determining who they want to invite for an interview again it's not the 86% most important factor it's just 86% of the program directors said it was a factor and how important of a factor huh 4.2 So one could argue that actually level one, step one, is actually not more important, the most important. It's actually letters of recommendation because it's rated at a 4.2. You have to understand how to review data and look at these surveys to, to really understand what's going on in the world. So everyone's screaming that step one is the most important factor. Well. Maybe, but we don't have any data that shows that. We we have data that shows that it is the most cited factor in determining who to invite for an interview with a rating of 4.1 importance, but not far behind at a 4.2. So more important in the the program directors who rated it as important as a factor is letters of recommendations. Right, So we can go down this list, and I highly encourage you to go down this list and look at the, the MSPE, the Dean's Letter. Right? This is something that all medical students get from their school, from their dean, kind of laying out who you are. It's, it's kind of like a committee letter from your dean, right? if you want to think about it in pr- kind of pre-med terms. This is a letter that kind of aggregates all the information, make, makes it easier for the program directors to kind of get a glance of who you are. Step two is listed on here. Step two CK specifically, right? The clinical knowledge part, the, ex- the other scored part of, uh, or nether scored part of the board process. Only 80% of the program directors say they consider it a factor at a 4.0, right? So not far behind the 4.1. So it's almost just as important, just less program directors actually look at it. Personal statement, 78%, but only 3.7. So it's like, ooh, personal statements really maybe aren't that important. 3.6, actually 3.3 is the lowest number on here. So, uh, and that's awards or special honors in basic sciences. Woohoo! I got an award. Look at me, everyone gets a trophy these days. So personal statement, right? 3.7, only 78%. Or if you wanna think, a lot of people, right? 78%, but only 3.7. Grades in required clerkships, 4.1, again, 4.1, 76%. This is a very important one. Any failed attempt in USMLE or Comlex, and I've heard this a bunch in my specialty stories when I interview the program directors, is they look very, very carefully at those. It's a huge red flag. If you have failed step one or level one, if you have failed step one or level one, that's a huge red flag and, and is a potential warning to them that maybe you're a bad test taker, maybe you have some anxiety around tests, whatever that is, but you may not pass their in-service exams and then your specialty boards, right? Guess what, folks? <laughs> the testing is not over once you're done with USMLE. Now you have your, your actual specialty boards as well. And failing your specialty boards is very, very, very bad. Or sp- failing, or f- failing your specialty boards is bad. Uh, but failing step one and level one is, or or any of those uh, tests: step one, step two, step three, level one, level two, level three. Those are bad. Four point five, right? Very, very bad. The only thing higher than four point five is if you were actually flagged with a violation in the match program. That's very obviously a very important rating. Four point eight, okay your class ranking, quartile. So this is interesting, right? So only 70%, or if we wanna flip it, right? 70%, that's a lot. It's not as much as 94% for step one. 70% of the program directors cited your class ranking and quartile as a factor, right? As a factor, just like step one is a factor. They rated it as as a 3.9. So kind of important, not as important as step one, 4.1. Not as important as letters of recommendation, 4.2. But you, you don't see a lot of this kind of just uprising anger that, oh my gosh, the, the medical school that, that I'm going to is switching to a no ranking system, right? Students talk about it. You, if you Google and you look around and you, you, you look in the Student Doctor Network or Reddit, students will talk about their programs being non-ranked but nobody's screaming from the rooftops going, oh, that's such an injustice. How are the program directors going to, to use that as a factor, right? 70% of program directors are using it as a factor, 3.9 in importance. But Nobody's screaming from the rooftops. Perceived commitment to specialty, right? 4.3. Obviously, they want to know that you really want to do this. Right, These next group, the the next group in this survey is really, really important. 4.3, 4.2, 4.3, 4.2, 4.5, right? Commitment to specialty, prior knowledge of the applicant. It's not what you know, it's who you know. That will stand the test of time always. And you may think that's unfair, but that's the way it is. If the program director knows you, knows of you, then you have a better shot of matching at that program because hopefully if if they like you obviously but you have a better shot of matching at that program cuz they know you so if you want to go to a program get them to know you right grades in the clerkship in your desired specialty do well what's repeated over and over and over again in my specialty stories when i interview program directors do well on your surgical clerkship do well on your internal medicine clerkship do well on your clerkships. You have to do it. That hasn't changed and may be more important now. right? Audition elective, 4.2, rotation within your department. 65% of program directors are citing it as a factor doing the audition elective, 4.2. Evidence of professionalism and ethics. Thank God that's an important one, 4.5, right? But only 65% of program directors are stating it as a factor. The other 35%, they don't care, right? Leadership quality, 61%, 4.1. AOA, 60%, 3.9. Alpha Omega Alpha is a honors society. Honors, you can call it a Greek thing, Um, but it's just recognition for doing well in your your preclinical years. Perceived interest in program, right? You want to go to that program, not just because it's there, but you actually want to go to that program specifically. Life experience. 3.8, not that high. 4.1 is the interest in the program, right? Step two, CS, right? Clinical skills. This is where you actually go and you examine a patient and it's kind of uh, the standardized patient world. 4.2, got to pass that. It's important for them. It's good. Volunteer extracurricular activities or extracurricular experiences. One thing, right? We are 20 or so maybe down this list, one thing you haven't heard me say yet is graduate of a highly regarded U.S. medical school, which is on this list. Only 50% of program directors said that is a factor in determining who they will invite for an interview. Only 50%. And they only ranked it at a 3.8, which isn't very high in this chart. So if only 50% right now who are still in this USMLE scored world, if only 50% are saying it's an important factor and they're only factoring it at a 3.8, why in the world do you think removing something like step one is all of a sudden gonna move something that's way down on the list all the way to the top? It just doesn't make sense. Could it happen? Maybe. Is it likely to happen? Probably not. Will some programs look at where you went to medical school a little bit more? Maybe. Are the programs who have always looked at where you went to medical school going to still look at where you went to medical school? Yep, because that's what they care about. They care about when you go onto their website and you see all of the residents that it says Harvard, Yale, UCSF, Columbia, NYU, right? The programs who care about that will always care about that and that won't change. The programs who understand that that doesn't matter in the world, in your practice, with you taking care of patients, those programs aren't going to care. Still, they're gonna wanna see these other things, right? So don't worry about going to your local state school and instead of right instead of delaying a year or two or four to get the highest mcat score possible and do three masters programs and go do all these other things so that hopefully one day maybe you can get into uh, a, a top 20 medical school right and don't forget top 20 medical school by us news world and reports is a big flaming pile of poop that report is a big a flaming pile of poop. It's all subjective data. Go look at how they actually put together the rankings of medical schools, U.S. News, right? Go look at how they put that together. And you tell me that that report, those rankings are worth anything. Med schools love them, especially the ones that are ranked at the top because they're like, hey, look at me. We're a U.S. News and World Report's top medical school but they don't mean anything. It's not, a, it's not a determination of the quality of your education. It's not a determination of how far you can go in life as an attending. It's not a determination of how well you will treat your patients. So stop trying to only go to a top 20. Now, don't get me wrong. Shoot for the stars. If you want to go to Columbia because you want to go to Columbia, then go to Columbia. If you want to go to Harvard because Harvard is where you want to be, then go to Harvard. What I'm saying is don't go to Harvard because it's a a top five school. Because top five school doesn't mean anything. Because the list is trash. All right. So... What I'm trying to get at here, right? Everyone jumped to school prestige is gonna matter so much now. It hasn't mattered in the past, 3.8, only 50% of, of program directors are saying it's a factor in how they look at applicants. It's probably not gonna change much. What a lot of students are saying and where a lot of people are going is that step two is going to take over as the new thing to look at. And that makes a lot more sense, right? 94% of program directors are stating USMLE step one as a factor with a 4.1 rating. 80% are stating step two score at a 4.0 as a factor. It's much more likely that step two score is going to rise as a bigger factor. And and I, I say bigger factor, that's not the right way to say it. It, it could be that the average rating is the bigger factor. The average rating could go up to a 4.1 or 4.2. But I'm saying that more program directors are probably going to cite it as a factor. So that that's very likely. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Could happen. I wish that when USMLE changed step one to pass veil, they changed all of their tests to pass fail. The medical licensing exam is a, a credentialing exam for you to get a medical license, right? It's a national test to that that every state uses to determine whether or not you are eligible to get a medical license. And that doesn't need a score. It just needs a yes or a no. And so how we have turned this into a determination of your ability to be a radiologist or an orthopedic surgeon or anything else has completely bastardized the whole system yeah it's easy for program directors to look at a number right a lot of people are saying oh this is just it's a, it's we need an objective measure no we don't we don't need an objective measure right show me an objective measure when you go apply for a job right when you are done with your residency and you are applying for a job. What objective measure is there when you are applying for a job? Are they going to ask for your step scores? Maybe. <laughs> I I don't I don't remember ever talking about my step scores other than the fact that hey I have a medical license I'm licensable. Look at me, right. The only objective measures are are things like yes or no I have uh, reports against my medical license, right. I have some dings. Some, peop- some patients have complained about me. I've been sued, right? Those are objective measures. But we don't have test scores as objective measures in life. So, no, we don't need program directors, don't need an objective measure to determine who they want to interview for an applicant. The, the highest cited factor here, 86% at a 4.2, Subjective thing is a letter of recommendation, right? 86% of the program directors are saying, I really want that letter of recommendation, 4.2. So that's subjective, right? MSPE, the dean's letter, subjective. Personal statement, subjective. Grades, some may think grades are subjective in clerkships, right? You're still taking tests, but some of the grade is, is very heavily weighted for your, the, the, whoever's running the clerkship and who your attendings are. Class ranking, eh, I guess that's, that's objective. Commitment to specialty, completely subjective. Knowledge of applicant, completely subjective, right? Life is subjective. And so for those of you screaming, there needs to be, like I have to be, it's not fair if there's not an objective measure. Oh, well, life isn't fair. Life isn't built on only objective data. So yes, step two, if it continues to be scored for here and eternity, it will probably rise in importance because it's easy, right? And there are program directors out there who are busy and they want an easy button. And they will press that easy button to filter their applicants. I have a different look at the score and why we look at scores and competitiveness and and for for students who are going into these programs right let's talk about the students who we probably all know who took step 1 scored out of the world right out of the park got 99% right let's say 99% and they they were thinking well i was thinking about internal medicine but with this score maybe i should try radiology right With this score, maybe I should try dermatology. I have the score to get in. And then they go and do their specialty and they're like, ew, I don't like this. Right? It would be a great study to determine. Right, go back and look at physicians who are burnt out. Let's let's ask them, what were your what were you planning on doing specialty-wise? Did your step one score affect that? Did you go into a more competitive specialty because you crushed step one? I would love to see data on that. If we can get rid of the scores, all of the quote-unquote objective scores, right? Step one, step two, step three, we take later after you match into residency. If we can get rid of those objective scores, will we get more people going into quote-unquote less competitive specialties because they don't have a score that tells them that they should do something else, right? How many times have we heard from someone saying, "Well, I, I wanted to go into family practice, but, but, but I was told that's stupid because I scored 99th percentile on my Step One. I should go into something else." Right? Maybe this will allow students to go follow their their heart more than what their score is telling them to follow. Something to be to think about. Let's talk about IMGs and DOs for a minute. Another big thing outside of this is going to really impact less prestigious schools is the fact that everyone is saying that this has the potential, or no one's saying is this has the potential. They're all saying it will, which is uh, nobody knows. So it, whenever you see someone saying this will do this, we don't, ha- we don't know. We don't have any data. We don't, we don't know anything yet. So until things change, we won't know. Until we have data, we won't know. Will this have the potential to affect students at a DO school or at a Caribbean school or any other international medical schools? I got an email or a private message from a student saying, I was accepted to a DO school. I haven't started yet. Should I decline that, improve my application, apply again for an MD invite? And I said, no, go to the DO school. You, You go prove yourself right? 86% of program directors at 4.2 rating said the letter of recommendation in the specialty was important. Your dean's letter, important. Step two, level two score, important. Personal statement, important. None of that says only from allopathic, right? Letter of recommendation uh, in the specialty only from allopathic students. This is a letter of recommendation in the specialty Period. Personal statement. Doesn't say personal statement only from allopathic students. Grades, clerkships, right? Class ranking. At any failed attempt. All of those are the same, no matter if you're an MD school, a DO school, or a Caribbean or other international medical school. Yes. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing the fact that step one has historically let students who have struggled previously, students who are IMGs, I'm not diminishing the fact that step one has historically been used to potentially up your game, right? If, if you started off uh, poorly in undergrad, if you did terrible on the MCAT because you just did and you're at a Caribbean school, step one was your, was your cheat code to get ahead in the world and potentially make you a much more competitive applicant for some of the more competitive specialties if, if that's what you wanted. And that may hurt you. It may. Step two may be right there behind you to help you out. Getting rid of step one may hurt you. I'm not saying it will hurt you. It may. I don't know yet. Step two is right there. Still has a scored test, still there for you to do well on that can potentially still help you. Again, letters of recommendations, dean's letter, step two score, personal statement, grades and clerkships, all those are still important no matter what school you go to. So if you think that you have done poorly in undergrad, and you will only get into a DO school or a Caribbean school or another, another international medical school, and you think with step one going pass-fail is going to completely derail your ability to practice medicine in the future, you are wrong. You are wrong. It may be a little bit trickier. There may be some, some different things you may need to think of now in the future, You may need to do a little bit more work, building relationships, shining a little bit more during your rotations so that you can get some good grades from those clerkship directors and the attendings there, building those relationships so you get an even better letter of recommendation. All of that has always been important and may be more important in the future. And so will this potentially hurt the introvert who doesn't like to stand out during clerkships, which potentially leads to weaker letters of recommendations? Yeah, it may. But guess what? It's always hurt those students. This process has always hurt those students. So this is not life changing, world changing. This is just a change and more will change and more will change and more will change. And with every change, just remember to take a deep breath, to understand that the, the world is not ending. Understand that this is not done to to make it harder for you. I, I don't know all the reasons why this was changed. I've I've heard some 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 rumors as to why this was changed. But you know what? Students are complaining already. Why am I paying all this tuition just to sit in my room and pay more money for third-party test prep materials? Guess what? That's less important now. All these students were complaining, first and second year, I don't go to class. I just study Firecracker and I study uh, Sketchy and Pathoma and UWorld and... And 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 right and board round or board vitals, uh, and students are are complaining right. I'm I'm paying tuition to go to a school to sit in my room to study this other material that I had to buy separately, and now they're complaining that the test changed that they don't have to do that anymore. They can actually go to class and 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 put their tuition into into work, right? Students will always find something to complain about. And yes, this is a big change, but it's a change. And things have always changed. Think about the students in the early 90s who were going to school and all of a sudden, there's this new USMLE thing, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I just finished taking the MCAT and now you're telling me I'm gonna have to take another test in my second year and another test in my fourth year and another test during my residency. That's not fair. I would love to go back and see some articles I wish social media was around then, right? Think about those students. It's just a change. Those students survived. You will survive. If you've listened to the show long enough, you know that I am pretty optimistic about most things. And some people see it as a fault. I don't, right? Will this affect some of you? It will. Will this affect all of you? Nope. Will it hurt some of you? Maybe. Will it help some of you? Maybe. Nobody knows for sure until we get more data, until we see how program directors are actually doing things, until we understand it more. We won't know anything, but all I do know is that everything in life is determined by the effort that you put into it. And so, yes, you, you will have to put in more effort, potentially, to build those relationships, to do better on step two, to do better in your clerkships right? All of anything you get in this world is through your effort. So continue to work hard, continue to push hard, and be excited that step one, this test that students freaked out about, that they thought determined the rest of their life is no longer there. And let's hope that step two goes that same way. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the pre-med years.